0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodem with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? Delayed a year by the COVID-19 pandemic, which finds host city Tokyo in the middle of a state of emergency, The games of the 32nd Olympiad will be televised on the NBC broadcast network for 17 consecutive nights from Friday, July 23rd until Sunday, August 8th. The primetime show will be presented live across all time zones, and the network will begin its coverage on the 23rd with the first-ever live morning broadcast of the opening ceremony. Competition begins Tuesday, July 20th with softball on NBCSN, and NBC Universal will present 7,000 hours of Olympic programming across its broadcast, cable, digital, and streaming platforms, serving both English and Spanish language viewers with a record 178 commentators who have won a combined 76 Olympic medals, 41 gold, 19 silver, and 16 bronze. The network notes that medal hall would have beaten every country except the U.S. in Rio five years ago. Leading the way in her first games as executive producer and president of NBC Olympics production is Molly Solomon, who is known only one employer. In 1990, she graduated Georgetown and was one of two Olympic researchers for the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. After publishing an eight-volume manual on the athletes and the sports, She served as a writer and information assistant to Bob Costas in his first Olympics as the primetime host. Now, she will help Mike Tirico navigate his first summer games as primetime host. Tirico took the torch from Costas, hosting the Winter Games in 2018. Solomon says it will cover the COVID-19 pandemic as it impacts competition, and the anchor of NBC Nightly News will address it as part of the first broadcast.
2: I think you'll see it in our very first broadcast in the opening ceremony in, in the evening and primetime. Um, Lester Holt is going to set the stage and explain what exactly is happening, what is the state of emergency, and what does that mean here locally, and then how are the Olympics operating uh, within that, and really the but created for athletes and broadcasters. Our policy and our coverage of news has always been, how, do, how does that impact the athletes? How does it impact the games? How does it touch the games going forward? And so as news around um, any of these issues comes up, of course, you know, we will cover it.
1: As a former researcher, Solomon knows up close and personal features on the athletes set the stage for the sports. They've been a staple of the Olympics since Wide World of Sports founding producer Rune Arledge hired the first Olympic researcher and future NBC Sports chairman Dick Ebersol, who also conceived and developed Saturday Night Live. While COVID-19 challenged NBC's ability to meet the athletes where they live, Solomon is proud of the work her team did and the alliances forged with other international broadcasters in the same boat.
2: The heart of our coverage is the storytelling around not only American athletes but international athletes. And when the world came to a stop, it, and athletes, you know, really went into their homes and they closed down their training and access to it. So, um, but I'm really proud of the team and how how we really pivoted. We've been working, for example, with a lot of the world broadcasters like the BBC um, and and others in order to get um, the coverage and the um, you know the profiles of the different international athletes. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, luckily we, we went down to, um, to Australia a couple of years ago. So we have a really amazing piece on Ariana Titmus that helps Frame the USA-Australia swimming rivalry. We also found a way to get into Russia over the last two months because, of course, Nikita um, Nagorny is a is a huge story that very first weekend. So, um, but really, the key to all this has been our partnership with um, other international broadcasters in order to tell the story of Dina Asher-Smith and how we could go, um, you know, safely and responsibly shoot in a park in London and and get more information on her. So, you know. So I'm proud of the team on how we've pivoted, but we will have all of that because, as you know, it's just, it's it's so much a part of the Olympics is is the story of these athletes and, and also what they've overcome to get to this
1: moment. An important part of an Olympics telecast is the local flavor of the host city and its people. Fortunately, Solomon and her feature team started documenting Tokyo and Japan before the pandemic.
2: Mary Crillo actually traveled to Tokyo two and a half years ago. So we do have... um we do have some profiles and um, sense of place that, that we will use. There's also, you know, the Japanese baseball tradition, um, a, a terrific piece. There's um, some pieces on peacock that also reflect um, Japan and, and, and its cultural ties to the United States those will still all be a part of it and and i think how the u.s audience will experience japan and tokyo one of the world's great modern cities is through the scenics is through these beautiful um these beautiful uh, drones that we have going across the city so you will still experience um tokyo in japan but you know as always we do focus on the drama on the field and 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 that's where our focus always
1: is. With no fans at the venues, NBC won't pump in crowd sounds as it turns up the volume on the ambient conversations and noises at each venue. Solomon explains the nuances involved in the production and notes audio will be engineered on a sport-by-sport basis to support the athletes.
2: The Olympic Broadcasting Service, um, OBS, which is the World Feed Provider Works with sports presentation um, in the venues, and so right now they are working to um, inject through the PA and create really an atmosphere for the athletes, so they are not competing without any crowd murmur or presence. So that is being worked on right now, and we will track that, and you will hear that in the mix on television. Uh, but we are not going to layer on on top of that, you know, swells of applause or anything like that. For, as you can imagine at the Olympics, there's 339 distinct events, all of which have a really different cadence and pace, which really makes it nearly impossible to be authentic and reflect the spirit and sound of what's happening now. For example, Rowdy could elaborate on this, but in the breaststroke races, um, knowing fans you know, whistled during those races. And so um, we didn't want to create an inauthentic experience. So instead, we've pivoted to know that we've got access to all of these field of play microphones. So we really feel like we can enhance the sounds of the game, but you will also hear any crowd presence that is actually being um, injected into the venue, so you'll hear it as
1: the athletes hear it. No fans means no families in the stands. Solomon details how NBC will focus on stateside gatherings to show the parents, siblings, and supporters of America's team rooting on the athletes.
2: We're treating friends and family, as we call it, like a sports venue in our strategic planning. The coordination of cameras each evening in primetime is rolling out with a team of athletes, bookers, and technical support in Tokyo and stateside. And our largest footprint will be at Universal Resorts in Orlando. We're going to, we alongside the USOPC, are putting together a two-week-long watch party in primetime where family members of Team USA will attend and be able to watch coverage and cheer for their loved ones together. So we're going to have a reporter there, Careth Burke, and the ability to connect relatives with athletes. And we're hoping for some chance, some spontaneous chance of USA USA to erupt each evening as these invested um, fans band together and, and support their loved ones. Um, additionally, we've also had um, Olympians' relatives have reached out to NBC. For example, BMX world champion Hannah Roberts' dad, he's hosting a watch party on a big screen in an outdoor park in Buchanan, Michigan. Uh, we're also excited about um, two watch parties at Simone Biles' gym in Spring, Texas. They're creating an event for the budding gymnasts who swim, who train there. So they're actually hosting a sleepover because, you know, it starts rather early in texas so they're going to have a big screen all of the um budding gymnasts are going to spend the night and and then wake up the next morning and watch the women's team final um and the women's all around so really really exciting stuff we're also working on international reaction as well so a lot still to come but the bottom line is if americans can't travel to tokyo we intend to bring america to tokyo
1: nbc has broadcast every summer game since seoul in 1988 and it's continued to find new ways to present the Olympics. There was the pay-per-view triple cast in 1992. Its digital platforms have evolved and shown hours of live content, as they will again this year. In 2021, NBC NBCUniversal's streaming platform, Peacock, will make its Olympics debut. It's an exciting development for Solomon, and NBC has enlisted some big names to host new highlight and recap shows. When
2: we announced that Peacock was going to olympic coverage time and it really was a producer's dream right you have a blank canvas to say what what are we not providing viewers and how can what can we do differently what how can we give them everything um, and anything and so if you're a consumer of peacock there there are so many different options because in the mornings you're going to have some of the most popular sports live if you want to get up early and watch live with women's gymnastics the second week, you've also got live track and field, so it's gonna it's gonna serve the super fan. You also can go find U.S. men's um, basketball games there as well. But also, we wanted to have a curated experience for the viewer, so we we've, we've tapped into some some amazing personalities um, to to anchor those shows. I've always wanted to do um, the ultimate Olympic highlight show when the competition day ends and so rich eisen is going to be hosting that so if you missed anything you can go find that similarly in the evenings there's a companion to prime time and that's going to be with kenny main carry champion and jack collinsworth so as everything's happening um in prime time they're going to have quick turnaround highlights they're going to have they're going to have interviews with athletes so you can kind of get the best of both. So we've really um, engineered Peacock to be everything for everyone.
1: In the marquee sports of gymnastics, swimming, and track and field, three American women will stake their claim as the greatest of all time in their sport. According to Nastia Lukin, the 2008 Olympic all-around champion and gymnastic analyst for a second games, Simone Biles already is the GOAT.
3: Simone Biles is of course, um, you know, the favorite amongst, I think not not just in gymnastics, but the favorite amongst many people um all across the US and the world and and there's no doubt that she's going to be amazing. Um she's favored to win five medals, possibly all gold and further solidify her status as the, as the greatest ever. Um personally, I already believe that's the case, but um you know, five more medals would certainly prove that Even more, and and on the men's side, um, the U.S. men look to um, have a new star with Brody Malone. He's he's really the the great new face of Team USA for the men, and um, came into the national championships and you know kind of took everybody by storm. Won his first national title, went on to the Olympic trials and secured his spot there. And then the team also still has a veteran leader like Sam Mikulak, who um, you know has already been to multiple Olympics, so. Obviously, very excited to see them in Tokyo, as well as some really incredible gymnasts from around the world, and especially Russia and China, and in the and of course the home team um, in Japan will include um, kind of the, the the Simone, if you will, on the men's side, which uh, is Kohei Uchimura. So, um, yeah, we're we're really looking forward to a lot of action. But, you know, as we all said um, on, on the balance theme, it's it's going to be pretty quiet when uh, there won't be any fans there. The most
1: successful and decorated Olympian of all time won't be in the pool, but will be on NBC. He'll join three-time Olympic gold medalist Rowdy Gaines as they follow Katie Ledecky's quest to set a new standard for American women in the Olympics.
4: This will be the first Olympics since 1996 that we haven't had the goat. Uh, the greatest of all time, Michael Phelps. Uh, He will be joining Dan Hicks and I in the booth on a lot of races. And I know that he's going to offer some incredible insight on, especially those races that he has won so many gold medals in. So excited about him being a part of the broadcast this year. You know, even without Michael, USA Swimming has been number one in the world of swimming for 65 straight years. The last time they were not the best country in the world in the sport was back in 1956 when Australia won the most medals and the most gold at the Melbourne Olympics. So this team will be no different. Uh, this will be a great team. It's a young team. It's, we have 11 teenagers on the U.S. team, uh, so it's going to be a young team. But a lot of those teenagers will be in the hunt for medals. There is no question about it. Uh, but if you're looking for big stars, sort of like a Simone Biles, uh, we have them on the U.S. side, obviously. I know everybody is very well aware of Katie Ledecky. Um, and in my opinion, just like Nasia said with Simone, the greatest female swimmer in history. I don't think it's even close, but she would certainly add to that legacy by winning a lot of medals um, in in, um, in Tokyo. She could be the first American woman in history in any sport to 10 10- gold medals. And of course, she has to run the table in order to do that. But if anybody can, it's Katie. Earning
1: nine medals, including six golds in her first four Olympics, Allison Felix will lead the way for USA Track and Field. Otto Bolden looks forward to watching and analyzing her historic run.
0: Having covered now the U.S. Olympic team going to Summer Olympics for quite some time, I think that this is maybe the most balanced USA Track and Field team Um, that there's ever been, certainly in in, in my short career. Um, Alison Felix, who, of course, is one of the faces of the entire United States Olympic team, is trying to create history. She's already made some history in qualifying for her fifth uh, Olympic Summer Games. But I think of some of the younger ones that made the team, somebody like a Sydney McLaughlin, who set the world record at the trials, becoming the fastest 400-meter hurdler ever. She could emerge as one of the big stars from Tokyo. No, Noah Lyle is the 200 meter world champion and trials winner, Ryan Krauser, who set a world record at the trials as well in the shot put. And what about Gabby Thomas? That's a name that a lot of Americans don't know going into Tokyo, but she just became the second fastest 200 meter runner in history behind only Flojo. And that's before we start talking about some of the international stars like shelly Ann, Fraser Price and company. I remember Explaining to reporters five years ago when Usain Bolt was making his exit, and, and we were worried about, and they were worried about, who would fill the void. I said, "This is a global sport; somebody is going to fill the void." So there are uh, a number of very compelling stories. I think that um, for somebody like myself, who was never supposed to be an Olympian, I started off in soccer. Um, it's funny that the Olympics have become such a part of my life. These would be my tenth Olympics as an athlete and broadcaster, four as an athlete, six as a broadcaster. But I remember Olympics uh, the way I remember the birth of my children. They are that important in my
1: life. As America approaches the 20th anniversary of September 11th, 2001, this fall, Bolden invokes the memory of that moment and the importance of sports in rallying the nation. He believes the Olympics can play a similar role for the world during the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: I can be as cynical as they come, but I remember when this country was um, plunged into mourning after 9-11. And it was sport that helped to bring everybody back to normal. And uh, if you know your history, you know that Japan is is very good at overcoming adversity. And I think there, I, th- I mean, I, obviously the, the, the polls indicate that not everybody is, is thrilled that the games are coming, but I have no um, no reservations and no anxiety because I remember when we were going to London and they said, well, you know, there could be terrorism. I remember when we were going to Rio and they said, well, you know, Zika could be a problem. I didn't see a single mosquito in Brazil. I know this is not going to be a typical Olympic Games, but um, I still feel like it has its purpose in not just the sporting landscape this year, but in the human landscape.
1: Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes and find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hothem, H-O-T-H-E-M, as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe.